Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always from Dean Rule in Stillwater. Dean, it's Thursday, March 2nd. I'm not sure how it's already March, but good news, March means March Madness. So um, we'll, we can get into get in all that later. But first, let's start with uh, OSU Wrestling, Big 12 tournament this weekend in Tulsa at the BOK Center. Uh, you had a nice story today on Dayton Fix. Uh, why don't you just sort of kind of recap that story a little bit and then hopefully people uh, will go check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did that. You know, you're You've only been with us a couple of years, but as you know, I'm sure, you know, Dayton Fix is kind of a local hero around here. Just an incredible high school career at Sand Springs. Um, so it's always good when we can kind of check in with him. And, and when we've written about him in the past, uh, readers have really responded because his his stories usually do well online. So I'll let you take it from there. What was it like catching up with Dayton? Yeah, so so you, you always have to enjoy talking with, with Dayton Fix. Um, he's a great interview. He's He's got a great story. And the latest fold in this story, Patrick, is he's not only coming back to Tulsa, obviously his hometown, for the Big 12 tournament, but also for the national championship, right? And yep. while the Big 12 tournament's always kind of as easy as winning a wrestling tournament can be, it's been easy for Dayton Fix there in the Big 12 tournament, but he's come up short every year in the national tournament, Um that's three runner-up finishes, three second-place finishes for him. Uh, and so I wanted to get his opinion on kind of the storyline of, hey, you're coming back to Tulsa for this national championship. It's in your hometown. You've come up just short the past three times. How great of a story is it that you could possibly win this now in your hometown, get your first one? And so, so we chatted about that, and uh, for somebody who's going to have such an immense pressure and weight on them, he's pretty calm and level-headed, and, and teammates have shared that sentiment about him, and I think that's super interesting. Um, and then we had an accompanying piece with it, re-looking back on, as you said, Patrick, that storied high school career. He had 168-0, four-time state champion, only... Four people at the time, only four people, uh, four wrestlers had been able to do that in the state in the history of OSSA wrestling. Recently, there was another one, Patrick, just this past week. Uh, Stillwater's Kale Hughes also did the undefeated four time state champ route. Uh, so he's the fifth one. But, you know, I wanted to look back on that career because obviously we had quite the photo archive of Dayton Fix because he was so storied and. It's been almost seven years he's been removed from high school, Patrick. I don't know if that makes you feel old or not, but he's seven years removed. Um, and so I just wanted to catch up and kind of see what he what he thinks of that today and, and how he remembers it and how he thinks it's kind of shaped him. Yeah, Dean, I really liked you. And this was your idea. Glad you thought of it. You know, you, you were looking through our photo archives and, and saw all the great photos that we have of him. And so you you were like, well, let me pick. Dayton's brain on this and kind of get his thoughts on some of these, you know, well-known photos that we that, that we've taken of him over the years at Sand Springs and uh, and whatnot. So uh, that's on our website. You can check that out. That was a really good idea. That was that, that was cool. So okay, let's jump ahead a little bit. I know Big Twelve is this week. I mean, he, is he the favorite at one thirty-three? Big Twelve. He's he's probably going to win this. Yes. In, in Big Twelve. Yeah. Well, Big yeah. Twelve. Okay. All right. Yeah. Big so 12, he's, he's the number one seed for the third time in his career. The, he's not had an issue at 131 at all this season uh, in the Big 12. So, so yeah, he's the odds-on-end favorite to, to get this done for a fourth time. 
Okay, let's look ahead to NCAAs also in Tulsa, like you mentioned. Uh, is this year he gets that elusive NCAA title? You got to like the story, Patrick. I'll say that. Um, when we look at this, though, the field, where everything's at, even Dayton Fix admits, you know, what's different this time is maybe some people view him as the underdog because he's more than likely going to come in as that number two seed in the tournament. Uh, it's not going to be the first time he's coming as the number two seed. He did that last year as well, made the, the finals just like he had the two previous years as the number one seed. So he's coming in as the number two seed. He's more than likely, and I wrote this yesterday, he's on a crash course to meet with Roman Bravo Young, who he's met with in the finals the past two years. So there's a chance you're getting a, a a trilogy of these final matches, Patrick. You would, you know, I, I never, the way I always see Patrick, you never root for people, you root for stories. This is a story I think worth rooting for just because of how there's so much depth to it and there's so many layers to a story like this. Um, meeting the same guy for a third time that that's just if the, the tournament goes chalk it's going to be the two of them in the finals for a third time he's back in his hometown it's Tulsa or from our papers in Tulsa there's a lot of great stuff there Patrick so I would say he is the underdog though if we look at the national stage I probably give Roman Bravo Young just the slight edge there um, but we'll see how it plays out that's why he wrestled the matches Roman is such a wrestling name, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Like that's a, and his middle name is Bravo. Uh, so it's a hyphenated last name, Bravo Young. Okay, I would just go with Roman Bravo. That's like really, <laughs> that's just really cool. Just call it there. Um, all right. Well, so both of those stories. Uh, well, hold on before we, before we kind of move on. Where are his Olympic aspirations these days? So the yeah. Olympic the Olympic dream is still alive for him. Uh, I asked him, I said, where's it at? And he said it's something he still wants to do, something he still wants to achieve. He didn't go into too much detail. Uh, he said, obviously, he's, he's a little more focused on the next three weeks, and understandably so. Um, but no, I, I, I think there's – expect more from, from the Tulsa world on, on that uh, maybe in a little bit. I, I think we'll we can explore that a little deeper. Um, but for right now, the Olympic dream still alive. It's still something he wants to go after. All right, good deal. So Big Twelve is this weekend, Friday and Saturday at the BOK Center. Uh, it's a little different this year, Dean. The uh, if I remember Saturday, right, Sunday, Patrick. I'm sorry. Saturday, Sunday, March fourth and fifth. Uh, what did I say? Friday, Saturday. Oh God, yeah that 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 would be incorrect. Thank you for catching me. <laughs> Uh, and the finals are uh, 8 p.m. Sunday, correct? Yep. Little, And that's a little later than usual, right? It's a little late. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, all right, let's move on to uh, uh, the Chad Weiberg announcement with the, this ambitious, you know, I think Bill Haston called it ambitious and aggressive uh, facilities update plan. That was Monday, right? Monday, yep. Okay, I'm I'm old. All the days of the week run together, <laughs> so it could have been yesterday for all I know. Um, a pretty impressive plan, pretty uh, enormous in scope. Um, what they didn't say is what they're going to do first and how they're going to pay for it just yet. That's going to be, they said they're going to kind of build as they get the money. Where should they start? What should they do first? Of the, all those projects, Dean, they start where? Well, I see three projects that directly impact competition areas uh and so one of those projects is already underway that's the football redoing the seating bowl 
That's a $55 million project coming out of OSU's pocket. That one's already underway, and they're, they're putting that as part of this plan, so I'm going to include it as well. And then the plan also calls for a new softball stadium and a new indoor track facility, both of which those are going to be competition spaces, and, and I feel like that should be the priority, getting some of those taken care of first. And, and you also have some more – I don't want to call them minor because that kind of dismisses them, but you've got – Parston Creek needing some some renovations, and that's a new irrigation system, new greens, updates to the clubhouse. You've also got a, the uh, equestrian center needing a new covered arena. So, so those also kind of factor into the competition spaces. But I think that's where you start. I think that's how I would look at it, to, to get some of these spaces that are going to affect the fans, going to affect the teams, going to affect visiting teams. Really kind of, he said, obviously, the priority is not decided by OSU it's going to be decided by donors and and how much money comes in and resources but I think that's how I would want to look at it and say these should be the things that we need to attack first I'm surprised you didn't say wrestling well so, so that's really a training facility and they do need that they need that bad just because of the amount of the space that they're lacking in their current training facility um and that, and that's the thing you you know no matter how you have these conversations, it's always going to be, well, why not this? You know, th there's always a case to make for, well, this should be first. Um, and so mm -hmm. I, I think that's, I don't know if, what, what the proper word would be, but, you know, OSU letting the, the fans and the donors decide this is kind of a smart move, you know, because nobody can come back at OSU and say, well, why is this not getting done? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Dean. I mean, so, okay, hypothetically, let's say, and, uh, and I'm just making this up. Maybe you can correct me if I'm if I'm off base or if there's something I'm missing, but let's say 10 donors call and they and they all want to give to five different projects and it's maybe a good a good bit of money, but because it's they all want to pitch into different things, it's not really enough to to finish the project. Does that make sense? Like, are they just, is it really just going to be up to, or, or maybe might they say, well, you know, we appreciate your donation here, but the softball stadium, we're pretty close on that. Would you consider giving to that instead? Like what's, what's the game plan here? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. And I hadn't really thought of it that way, Patrick, but when we, OSU, Chad Weiberg has said, we don't want to accrue debt on any of these projects. We want to come out of this with little to no debt. I think that, who knows, actually, that, that's a really good question, Patrick, how that all gets decided. I, I don't know if there's a minimum threshold each project needs to hit, maybe. Um, because the other thing I think of is, let's say all these donors stepped up now and you had all the money you needed well, you can't take on eight different construction projects at once. You know, that's, that's shut down campus, especially with where everything's placed. Um, <laughs> you know, so when so let's say you ideally have all the money. Well, now which project are you picking first? Because you can't start them all at once. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting way to approach it, but we'll see. You know, Chad Weiberg has the, the fundraising background. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to kind of pay attention and see and see where we go and how quickly um, things get done. Did he offer uh, any any sense of a timeline? I mean, 
even if it was just a general one, like, is, is this something they'd like to get done in the next couple of years, five years, 10 years? I mean, that come up at all? So that was the first question I asked him, Patrick. I said, you know, ideally everything goes to plan. When do you want to have everything done? And he didn't say they had one, you know, it, it's a years in the making pro- process. He said, it. I think realistically, if we just look at it as reporters and media people, Patrick, I think optimistically you could say 10 to 15 years, everything goes right. If we look at the, especially if we look at the last phase of, of, of this, uh, athletic village and and I know there were some issues there and and me and Bill talked about that if if you want to hear that more in depth but yeah I don't know it's it's odd and and it's really going to come down to how fast they can they want to move on stuff you know I think it's something they they want to take their time on yeah sure all right Dean let's take a real quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk some hoops all right Dean so uh, Mike Boynton's crew, uh, kind, kind, they're kind of struggling lately. They lost, what, five in a row. Uh, seemed like they were in the tournament. Where are they now? Right now, everything ends today. They're going to be out, according to, uh, to to all the experts in this field of bracketology. They're uh, well, first four teams out. So that means they'd get an NIT berth. They'd be an NIT host. Um but yeah, they've they've kind of fallen from having a pretty secure eight seed all the way down to a ten seed and an eleven seed, and now kicked out. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a rough two weeks for them. Let's say they win two games in the Big Twelve tournament. They open with Texas Tech, correct? Well, so they they have Texas Tech to close out the regular season Saturday. And oh, then- that's right. They're more than likely going to be in that play-in Wednesday night round in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, I think if we want to look at this optimistically for them to play back into the tournament, I think you need to win at Tech. They would need to win probably that first round and at least be competitive in the second round of the Big 12 tournament. What's your overall feeling about where this team is? I mean, just just – the vibe around the program, if you will, because you just look up and down the schedule and it's five losses in a row, which never looks good, but the Big 12 is tough. And other than West Virginia, those were all ranked teams, correct? And yeah. and you can't understate the value of, Avery, of not having Avery Anderson. You just can't lose a starter and just not expect some some difficulty in the Big 12, how competitive it is. So just kind of the the vibe of the program. What what are you seeing? Like, are they? You think they're kind of done and NIT here we come, or is it? You know, yeah, they can win Saturday. At, you know, gets Tech and Lubbock, and then maybe make a little bit of a run in the Big Twelve. Where where do you see things standing? Yeah, right now I think uh, I think you're 100 correct, Patrick. Playing four ranked teams in the past five games that's going to be a big factor in in them on a five game losing streak, but also. If you're going to be considered a a tournament team, you should be able to win one of those, right? That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You know, uh, if if they win at Tech, that gives them some breathing room. But I think that there's a sense of desperation now, and they're playing with their backs against the wall. And 
Mike Boynton even says, you know, most of the teams in the Big 12 are playing with their back against the walls. They're kind of fighting for position, trying to set themselves up as best they can. And so you're getting a bunch of desperate teams playing against each other. And it's hard. It's it's hard. You're right, Patrick. The Big 12 is a gauntlet. Uh, I, I don't want to dismiss them, but I think, you know, it, it, it might be an NIT year for them. Just, just with how things have kind of fallen apart. And if we look back, you know, they're seven and ten right now, Patrick. They could finish seven and eleven in the conference. That's tough. Um, I, but I'll say this: I'll leave it on an optimistic note. If there's a team that could make a run in the Big Twelve tournament and set themselves up to get back into the get back into March Madness, it is OSU. Because, like you said, losing Avery Anderson is a big deal. Well, when they lost Avery Anderson, Patrick, those first three games they won. They won the first three games without him. Then they've they've kind of and that was against they beat a top fifteen TCU team that granted was was injured. They were losing. They were missing some of their best players as well. They beat Texas Tech and then they went on the road and they beat Iowa State. At that time, a number eleven ranked Iowa State. So they've been able to do it before. Now I think it's just kind of the wheels are falling off a little bit. That's a good point. I, 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 the Iowa State win was without Avery. I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's that's a that's a real good point. All right, final question on basketball. If at the beginning of the season I told you the Cowboys would be would be an NIT team, you'd say what? I'd probably argue against you, but I'd probably listen to you listen to you as well. Um, it's a very talented team, Patrick. They've played very well. They've played at an elite level during parts of this season. Um, there's just a couple issues that have persisted year-round, and that's, you know, turnover issues, keeping everybody healthy. And, and that's not – that's not a, you can't keep it – that's not a knock on the coaching staff. You can't keep everybody healthy. And, and none of this is uh, a knock on any of the coaches, but there, there's just been – a couple lingering issues that they've had year round that really have hampered them in, in some games. Yeah. All right. Let's stay with basketball, but let's talk a little uh, women. We got Bedlam women. Uh, that's in Stillwater Saturday, two o'clock, correct? Saturday, two o'clock. That'll be the final regular season game for the women's. Let's uh, catch us up on the Cowgirls. What's going on with them? So on a two game losing streak right now. Uh, they lost to. Kansas over the weekend, and then West Virginia last night. So they're hitting a little bit of a skid. They still have got that – they've reached that 20-win threshold this year. I think that kind of pretty much locks them in for at least a, an at-large bid in the women's uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, but obviously they're going to be going up against a really good OU team, and they can make another statement if they want. Yeah. You're going to be there covering that game, correct? I will be there. All right. Anything else you want to get into, or should we uh, should we leave it there? I can leave it there, Patrick. It's going to be a busy week. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Well, you said earlier you have what three availabilities today? Media three availabilities. So yeah, you're gonna get get your recorder out. You're gonna be busy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So just to recap, so Big Twelve wrestling in town this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you'll be at Bedlam Women in Stillwater on Saturday afternoon. You can, of course, catch all of our coverage 
uh, in the Tulsa world. Some of that wrestling might be late, so you may have to go online to kind of read that Sunday night. Uh, we appreciate you checking us out. You can download us for free on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Uh, Dean and I usually record once a week. And uh, Dean, always good to talk to you. Uh, have a good day, and we'll talk soon. Of course, you too, Patrick.